Um, today, I, I, I want to go back to what we were talking about with Heart for the House. Heart for the House is not just about life church as a whole, but Heart for the House is about what God wants to do in and through you. And, um, and last weekend, I talked about how God has a vision and a dream and a purpose and a plan for you. Jeremiah says that God's given you a future and a hope and a vision. We gave that operational definition that a vision is a picture of a preferred future. And today I want to talk about how do I activate the vision that's in my life. I have a vision from God. I have a dream from God. I know I have a purpose. How do I activate it? How do I start it? Well, the key is learning to live a surrendered life. It's learning to live a surrendered life. And let me explain that to, to you what that means. If you have your Bibles, if you turn me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen here in just a second. But Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2, Paul addresses the church in Rome and basically talks about this, the subject of surrendered living, of, of having a surrendered life. And it's the key, he says in this passage, it's the key to, to basically fulfilling and activating that vision, that plan, that dream that God has for you. Uh, verse 1, therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, so he's speaking to Christ, to Christ followers, in the view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he says, here's how you need to worship God. Offer your life as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice has a little bit morbid, especially in our context. But in their context, it would have been something quite common. But you may say, how do I do that? So glad you asked. Look at verse two. But do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul says, look, do not allow yourself to think the way everybody in the world thinks. Don't allow, your, don't allow the perversion of this world to get into your mind. Don't allow the flow of this world to get into your mind. Set your mind on, let your mind be renewed. Renewed by what? By God's word. Renewed by what? By God's virtues. Renewed by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ has given us. So don't be transformed by the, uh, but, uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You'll be able to activate that vision, activate that picture of a preferred future in your life if you don't conform to the power of this world and you renew your mind according to God's word, then you'll be able to activate the vision that God has for you. God has a vision. God has a dream. God has a purpose and a plan for everybody in this room. The reality is, is that in order to see that happen, you and I have to go through the disciplines of not conforming to this world. What does that mean? You live in this world. All the junk all the garbage, all the perversion, all the stuff that goes on. I'm not trying to be old line, clothes line, but I mean, the reality is, is there's a lot of deviancy that goes on out there. And you've got to make a decision that you're going to be a person of integrity. You're going to be a person of character. You're going to be a person of, of gentleness and of love and of hope. And you're, you're, you're going to be a person that, that allows the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 6, uh, 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 excuse me, 5 and verse 22 talks about. You're going to have to be that kind of person. And that's a choice that you make. Here's the interesting thing to me about integrity, about the character of God. God does not help you with integrity. That's you. He'll anoint you. He'll gift you. He'll help you. But when it comes to working out character in your life, that's you. That's a decision that you make. How do you make that? By not conforming your mind to the world and by renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? Doing what you're doing right now, sitting under sound biblical teaching. How do you renew your mind? By making sure that the influences that come into your world and the influences that come into your life are pure and of holy and acceptable before God. 
I'm not saying they have to always be spiritual, but they need to be wholesome. How do you renew your mind? By making sure that the voices and the things that are in your life uh, are, are, are things that are pleasing before God, are things that are upholding the same virtues. You know, does your entertainment uphold the same virtues that you believe? Do the people that you hang with, I know you don't always have choices about who you work with, but the people that you hang with, that you do life with, do they, do they uphold the same virtues? Are your children, the people that you have connections with and that you go over to their house and you guys go to the lake together, and you do, are they of the same mindset? Are you having to explain what they do and why they don't do what they do? See, that's the kind of a deal. And I know family can be funky, so we're not talking about family, right? But I mean, but you know, but the reality is, is do, who do you do life with? How are you? What happens? Is your life different, you know, on, the, on Sunday or on Saturday night than it is on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Where's the congruency of your life? How do you, by the renewing of your mind, making sure that you're renewing your mind according to God's word, that you're staying in the word of God, that you're in, active in prayer, that you're active in devotion, that you're doing what you're doing. I mean, even as a pastor, I'm constantly giving and preaching on the weekends. This has worked for me. When I'm done here, I want to eat and I want to go home and sleep. On Sundays, I, I, turn, I go home, I eat, and I turn on golf. If I go out to eat with somebody on Sunday afternoon, by about an hour into it, I am just, my blood sugar is just gone. Because I have just given and given. And you go, man, you're so alive. Because it's the espresso shots that I do back, back before I come out. Seriously. And this is all caffeine, people. And so, you know, it's just that kind of a deal. Because I'm giving. And the same way with you, there are times in your life where you're giving. What replenishes that? What, what, what restarts your battery? That's the reason why the, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the Bible teaches that we work six days and that we're, we're off one. That we re- recreate ourselves. We rest. We have a Sabbath. We have a break. And that's healthy and that's good. And so, so for me, I, I, I have a steady diet of guys that I'm listening to. Video cast, preaching, audio cast. I'm a voracious reader. Um, and, and quite frankly, I find myself being around other people who are doing the work of the kingdom in a creative and an awesome way. And, uh, and so, you know, it's just, it, it, it gives me energy. It, it, it builds into me. It speaks into me. It, it excites me. And so, so, so that, that, but the bottom line is Paul says, look, you've got to remove yourself from the world. You've got to renew your mind. And when you're able to get to that place, then you'll be a true living sacrifice. Let me give you a definition for living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is a life that's totally surrendered to God. A life that's totally surrendered to God. Completely. God, you have every part of me. You've got my ambitions. You've got my dreams. You've got my wants. You've got my wishes. You've got my family. You've got my kids. You've got my parents. You've got my my in-laws, my outlaws. You've got my job. You've got my business. You've got my house. You've got the golf clubs. You've got the boat. You've got the savings account. You've got the 401k. You've got the stocks. stocks God, you've got everything in my life. You've got my future, my past, my present. I give it to you. And I refuse to live with the mindset that this world has. And I choose to renew my mind according to God's word and firm biblical teaching and, and bringing that in because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I choose to develop my spiritual man and develop him in such a way that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that I will submit myself unto you and that you will raise up a standard against him and that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'll be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. God, you will make the the crooked way straight and the rough way smooth, that you will go before me and behind me and around me. You will be my protector. You will be my shield and, and my buffet. You will be my everything and my all. That's a decision that we make. That's a living sacrifice. And when you talk about sacrifice, you really have two parts. It's kind of like sanctification. First, you have initial surrender. 
When you're talking about surrender, you have that initial surrender. You have that time where you say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart and come into my life. And if you've not done that, I encourage you. When you come to the place where you realize that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that he's the hope of the world, and that he is the way to eternal life, it's simply by just saying, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. It's not about joining a church. It's not about liking the pastor or the pastor liking you. It's not about by works. It's by grace that we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves is a gift of God lest any of us would boast. Isn't that amazing? It's that amazing grace. But then beyond that, there's an ongoing process of surrender, which means I've given my life to Christ and heaven is my home and I'm walking this life and I'm doing this and all of a sudden, boom, the Lord asks me to do something. The Lord speaks to my heart to, to surrender. God, God, wants to, God wants more of my heart. He wants more of me. There's a test. There's an opportunity. There's a, there's a this and that and it's an ongoing process. And I think sometimes we forget that as Christ followers. We think as soon as I give Jesus Christ my heart and my life, then that's it. And then I'm okay. No, no, no. You've just begun the journey. I've just begun the journey. And so there are times where God asks of me, there are times where God will ask of you to surrender and lay it all down. Now, the greatest illustration, in my opinion, of this is the life of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12 and following, it it gives us this life of Abraham, this this man of God. And uh, in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, God gives Abraham this vision, this dream, that he'd be the father of a great nation. Now, Abraham didn't come from this greatest of stock. Abraham, his father, was kind of a guy who would worship the moon, actually. He was somewhat of an of a, of a astrologist in that way. And, um, and, 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 and really was somewhat apathetic, quite frankly. And, and really just was kind of spiritually inept in a way. And, um, and God speaks to Abraham and says, I don't want you to live life the way your dad has. I, I, I want to do something great in your life. Will you surrender your life to me? Will you believe in me? Will you trust me? Will you do this? And Abraham says, yes, God. Now, but who wouldn't say yes to that? I want, I want to make you the father of a great nation? Sure. I don't care if it's my 15 seconds of fame, my 15 years, 15 minutes. Yes. I'll be your man, God. And the reality is, is that Abraham goes. And as he's going through life, <clears throat> trying to fulfill this purpose, he finds himself along the way trying to help God out. Have you ever done that? Where you go, hey, God, I think I can help you out with it. Hey, God, just, you know, hey, hey, God. And the deal was is that in order to be the father of a great nation, he had to have a son. He had to have an heir. He didn't have an heir. So he has a conversation with his, with his wife, and she says, with Sarah, and she says, listen, there's no way, so why don't you go and create an heir with, with, with one of my servants, and then he'll be, he, he'll, we'll, he'll be your son, and that's how this will happen. Because what happens is, is we, do, we go along through life and all of a sudden we begin to rationalize. Well, this isn't happening fast enough. That's the problem. I mean, but Abraham was in his 80s at this time, right? And so, I mean, it, it needed to happen pretty quick. And so, so sometimes we read the Bible and go, well, you know, folks, I mean, he was 80 years old. I mean, I don't need to draw any pictures there. But I'm just saying, it's right. I mean, it's one of those things where this needs to happen quick. And, and Sarah says, it's not going to happen to me. And so God tries to help Abraham out and he births Ishmael. And from that time until now, the Bible says that there was enmity that was put there. There, 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 was, there was a strife that was put there that's never going to be rectified until God comes back according to Revelation and establishes a new Jerusalem. So what, when you read, when you hear about the Arabic nation, when you hear about the Palestinians and the Gaza Strip and the Israelis, that strife is Ishmael and Isaac. That's where it comes from, Genesis. Genesis. 
It's right there in, in chapter 12 to chapter 20. That's where it comes from. That's the issue. That's the problem. When, when, when Abraham birthed that, when he gave, gave consent to that, he allowed his own way to be done and his own, and his own, own thing to be done instead of doing it God's way. And, and that's what happens when we try to do it our way, then we create these problems. That's the reason why there's such, there's such, there you go, there's something about this Muslim type of faith and this type of a deal. And there's something that's just so opposite of Christianity. It's that. It goes all the way back to that. And it's not going, there's not going to be a peace treaty that's going to fix that. There's not going to be a president that's going to fix that. There will be one, he's called the Antichrist, that will establish himself and it will supposedly bring peace, but then all hell will break loose. And, and, but, but the, and the Bible says, then the end shall come. But, but the reality is, is that in our time on this planet, we, we're not going to see that. I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen because that there's that strife that's put there. And anytime we try to help God out, that's what happens. And it just keeps going and going and going. And so, God, so Abraham comes to the end of himself, and he basically says, okay, God, we'll do it your way. And, and God, at, at age 100, gives him this son, Isaac. Now, don't think of Isaac just as a son. Think of Isaac as the dream. Isaac is the promise. Isaac is the vision. Isaac is the picture of a preferable future. Isaac is the answer to what God spoke to Abraham. Because without a son, he's not the father of a great nation. And so Isaac is the one that God gives him. And, and, and Genesis chapter 22 tells us that, that God in verse 1, God tested Abraham. And God calls to Abraham, and Abraham replies, here I am. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice his life. It's really kind of a foreshadowing of God the Father giving his only son Jesus Christ on Golgotha, as, as, as Abraham the father will, will be willing to give his own son Isaac on Mount Moriah. And, and so Abraham says, okay. And the Bible says that from, from verse number, number, number two, I believe it is, until verse number uh, 15, uh, God, excuse me, in ver verse number 14, God doesn't speak. It's complete silence. Here's what we know. Abraham had to prepare the servants. He had to prepare the, 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 the animals. He had to prepare for sacrifice. He had to go through the ritual. He had to prepare himself. He has his son Isaac. He goes and cuts the wood for the sacrifice. He does everything. It's a three-day journey that he has to deal with his emotions and with his thoughts. And you're thinking, well, what's he thinking on that three-day motion, on, on that three-day journey? What, what, what's, what's he dealing with with his emotions? I'll tell you what he's doing. Did I really hear from God? And then there's that peace of the Holy Spirit. And there's that, yes, I know the voice of God. He's the same one that called me from the Ur of Chaldees. He's the same one that's with me today. Because Hebrew says that Abraham was on a journey looking for a, for a city whose builder and maker was God. I love that phrase. I just love that. I mean, just when I read it, when I say it, when I hear it, it's just like, ah, this patriarch of old. And so he knows the voice of God. And he's going on his mind, just like you and I would. Because this isn't just his son. This is the dream. This isn't just his son. This is the vision. This isn't just his son. This is the future. And he's walking going, I'm about to kill the future. I'm about to kill the dream. I'm about to do this. God, why are you asking me to do this? But I know this is what God wants me to do. This doesn't make sense, but God, I know this is what you're asking me to do. God, I don't understand, but I'm going to surrender because I told you that I would. As they're walking along, the son puts two and two together and goes, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide. 
As, he, as they reach day three and, and they see Mount Moriah, he stops the, 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 the servants. He says, wait here. The boy and I will go to the mountain and we will return again. Having full confidence. Not knowing how God's going to do it, but knowing that he's going to show up. And he goes to the mountaintop and he prepares the sacrifice and he prepares everything. And he puts Isaac on the altar and he binds him to the altar. And then he takes, the Bible says, his knife from his sheath. And he goes to rear back to kill, to slay, to put to death the dream. Then God speaks. Sometimes people say, well, God told me to do this, but when's he going to tell me the next thing? When you do the first thing. Well, God told me, but it seems like he's been silent. Let me tell you something. The work always happens in the silence. It's a discipline that happens in the silence. A life of surrender is not found on Sunday morning Christianity with, 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 with emotion and with power and with passion. The, 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 the life of, of, of Christianity, the life of a Christ follower, a surrendered life is found in the daily disciplines. When nobody's looking, when nobody's watching, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're upset, when you're dealing with your own emotions, when, when you can't sleep at night and when you're restless and you're going I don't know but all I know is this and this doesn't make sense to me and this doesn't make sense to me and this doesn't make sense to me and and God really do you really want me to put an end to the business God do you really want me to do this and God says yes okay and we are great at rationalizing why we shouldn't I met a businessman last summer who uh, runs a very 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 large technology firm on the East Coast. And God gave him this idea of what he needed to do. I know it sounds a little crazy, but he gives um, well over $100 million a year to missions, personally. So it's not that crazy. It, it, it's not a pipe dream. And uh, he made this statement. He said, every year in December, I pay myself, I pay the, I pay the employees, and all of the net assets that we have left over, everything, we write a check for every bit of it and we give it all to God's work. I've been doing that for 25 years because God gave me this and told me if I would be faithful, he would take care of my family, my sons work for the business as well, and that all of the net that we have left over, all of the, basically the, 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 the production, the productivity of the year, all of, of our assets from that, all of our earnings go, all the growth of the business. That's scary. And that's what I asked him. I said, does that scare you? I mean, you're talking about millions of dollars. He goes, yeah. He said, but it didn't start that way. It started with a few hundred thousand and then a few million and then tens of millions. And it's now well over hundreds of millions of dollars a year. But Aaron, that's why God gave me this business was to do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, because he'll guide and direct your paths. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Abraham just keeps walking. And he goes there. And he goes to rear back. And the voice of God speaks and says, stop. See the ram in the thicket that I've provided for the sacrifice to be made to God. And Abraham says in verse 14, I will call this place the mountain where God provided You see, two questions to ask yourself real quick about a surrendered life is, first of all, am I willing? Am I willing? This is a question of desire. Nobody can make you do this. You're not a rock'em, sock'em robot. 
You're not responding to me. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to ask you, are you willing to? What? This is about you and him. This is an issue of desire. And God tests us, not for his benefit, but for ours. It's more about us telling us where we are. It's about us growing our faith. How does our faith grow unless it's tested? How do we grow and, and learn perseverance and trust unless we walk through those times? And God tests us with things that are important to us, even sometimes things that are God-given. God will give you something and will test you just to see if you're willing, just to see if this is really what you'll do. He'll give you opportunities and put you through tests. God gave Abraham Isaac, but yet he said, I want him back. And, God said, and Abraham says, it's yours. See, there's nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have us. God is God, and he will have no other gods before him. Commandment number one, he's a jealous God. And there are times where that is tested. And here's the deal is, the more you have, the harder it is to surrender. The more that you have, the harder it is to surrender. Someone who has nothing, and their life is zero, zilch. I mean, they have nothing. For them to give their life to God is not a big, I mean, it's a major upgrade. Right? I mean, they're trading up on that deal. But for someone who has something, and God says, I want you to empty out the account, and I want you to give it to, to a missionary. I, I, I want you to walk away from the business, and I want you to do this. I want you to clear out all of your growth at the end of the year, and I want you to give it all to my work and trust me for the next 12 months. It's easy to sing. I surrender all, isn't it? I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Lift our hands and sing it. Sing the old song, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting and confiding in his great love from all harm safe. In his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and I feel no alarm. It's easy to sing those songs. But when God speaks to you and says, are you willing? First one, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice the dream. And Abraham says, here I am, God, I'll do it. No other conversation, no rebuttal, no debate. No cross-examination. Complete silence for the next three days as he makes the journey. Are you willing? And the second question you have to ask yourself is, do you trust God as your provider? Do you trust God as your provider? That's an issue of discipline. Because sometimes it's easy to go, yeah, I'm willing. But then do you really walk it out? It's okay to trust God for your salvation. We all kind of get that because, quite frankly, we really don't know what's on the other side and, and we read about it. And, but as Paul would say, we know in part and we see in part, but we really don't completely understand it. But, 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 but you know, to trust God in the here and now, that's, that's a little more difficult than it, Aaron. And, and how do you know if God's going to provide? And I was watching, a, um, I've asked to speak at a, a men's conference next month and uh, they're doing a whole thing on this movie, Courageous. And so I hadn't seen it. And I, I've been traveling this week. And so I put it on my iPad and, and I'm watching it on the plane. It's a good movie. And uh, was watching it. And um, as I was watching it, there's a part in the movie where there's a family, a Hispanic family. And he's struggling to make ends meet just to pay for, for his family and to, and to pay the bills. And she's on the other end of the line, and she's sobbing, and she's like, well, we just got ahead, and we, just, and we don't have enough money, and, and what are we going to do? And, and all of a sudden, God shows up, and they were able to teach the kids the provision of God and that God provides. And I'm sitting in that plane, and I'm having to try to regain cause some of my emotion because it just hit me. I remember being the kid watching my mom on the phone, 
when my dad is on the other end of the line having a similar conversation. I remember hearing when, my, when I was young that my dad, because work was really tough in the early 70s, and my dad didn't have a college education. And in order to provide for his family, they were building a new highway, and it was in the middle of the summertime in, in the south and the heat and the humidity. And my dad would go for eight hours a day and pick up chunks of rock and throw it into the back of trucks to provide for his family. I remember they got a phone call for my dad to get a job working at the factory at General Electric in Fort Smith. And I don't mean this in a funny way, because this is where I come from. I remember we didn't have enough money for a moving truck or vehicle, so we moved all of our furniture in a dump truck that my grandfather owned. And it hit me in that moment. That's how I learned how to trust Jesus. See, I didn't learn it in a pastor's home. I didn't learn it in Theology 101 or Systematic Theology 202. I I learned it by watching a mom and a dad who trusted God. I heard it as they would pray for God to provide. I can't tell you how many times we got into that white Ford Torino and my mom would have us pray that God would stretch the gasoline. I remember when God showed up and miraculously provided finances. How do you trust him as your provider? By living by faith. By getting out there in a place that's uncomfortable, that's unsafe, that's risky. And just saying, God, this is what you're asking me to do, so be it. The Bible says of Abraham... In Hebrews 11, 17, 18, and 19, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, the the dream, the promise. And even though God said to him, it's through Isaac that the offspring will be reckoned, verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise him from the dead. And in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Are you willing and do you trust him? Those are the two questions to know whether or not you're surrendered. But when you do, here's what happens. Here's the byproduct. The result of a surrendered life is a blessed life. That's when God opens up the windows of heaven and pours a blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. The Bible says in Genesis 22, 17, 18, and 19, when Moses, excuse me, when Abraham is standing on Mount Moriah, God says, I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars and the sky and the sand of the sea. And your descendants shall take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, every time, surrender. It's a test to build our faith in God. To strengthen our relationship with him. It's part of the process of being a Christ follower. Let me say this. If you don't live in uncomfortable waters from time to time, you're not being obedient to what Jesus wants you to do. I'm talking to Christians. If there aren't times where you go, God, if you don't show up, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to be embarrassed. I don't have the money to pay for this. I don't have the ability to do this. This is beyond my own ability, but this is what I feel like you're wanting me to do. If you don't have times where you get a little 
sweaty of the palms and a little bit. God, you're going to, I'm telling you, because what I read in Scripture, it's not a scary thing, but it's a faith thing. It's a trusting thing. It's a thing of, am I willing and do I trust him as my provider? Am I willing, do I trust him? Not as my salvation, not as my healer, not as my soon coming king, not as the Alpha and the Omega and all the other. Do I trust him to provide for me? Do I trust him to be my provision? Do I trust him that he will be there, that he will not be late, that he will not leave me, nor forsake me even to the end of the world? Because I'm going to say this too. Mom and dad, if you're not living it, how do your kids see it? How do they know it? As I'm watching that clip, I'm thinking to myself, how do I impart this to my kids? Because God has blessed me. I can tell them the stories, but they've got to see some things. They've got to trust in some things. They've got to see God show up in some areas. And the question today is, are you surrendered? Completely to him. Do you have the desire and the discipline? Are you willing and do you trust him as your provider? And are you willing to trust him and surrender to God the things that matter most to you? The dream, the vision, the purpose. And as you process that, I want you to take a, clip, uh, a look at this video clip of, uh, of a life of surrender. Hi, my name is Drew Brody, and this is my life story. I came to Life Church about a year and a half ago uh, with my parents. I was going through some trials at the time. Um, I was I basically hit rock bottom in some search, uh, situations, and I needed God in my life. And I finally looked up um, after several years of avoiding Him. Uh, I came to Christ and surrendered fully about a year ago about this time. What totally made me surrender to God and His will for my life was I was going through several several trials at once. I was going through a divorce at the time. Uh, this was not too long ago and a back issue that is still existing and I couldn't handle both of those things at the same time. It was a very, very hard time in my life. Um, that's when I hit rock bottom with stuff and I finally looked up and realized that God is the only way that uh, I'm going to be able to get through some things, get through everything. Um, I mean, I've been able to help certain other people in situations that are very similar situations that I went through. Life Church has positively influenced my life hugely. I love the way that Pastor Aaron preaches to tell it like it is. Sermons hit me, hits my heart every Saturday or Sunday or whatever service I happen to attend. Uh, every service I get teary-eyed and the tugging is constant at my heart. Um, that's again how I um, came to know the Lord again throughout those years of disobedience and going my own way. I kept on feeling those tugs throughout the year. Come back to me, come back to me. That's how I took it. And uh, I finally surrendered again last year about this time fully. And God is doing amazing things in my life. He's doing amazing things in my life through, uh, through me with others. Um, it's just incredible, incredible. And I thank my family and my friends and everybody who's prayed for me over the years. To come to know God fully, I always knew Him. I just wasn't fully surrendered to Him. 
It took me a long time to get to that point, but I finally did. It's a, it was hard. It was hard to it's hard to surrender at all, but it's worth it.